All right, this is Greg Refner with the Abstract Podcast. We are here today with Mr. Sam Jacobs, uh, CEO and founder of Revenue Collective. They provide support, assistance, education, career growth, CROs, CMOs, COOs, CCOs. I don't think I missed any Cs there. And um, they just launched a pretty cool new operations community as well. Um, and the whole goal here, perform better in roles, earn titles, compensation, and achieve professional goals. Sam? pleasure to have you sir take a moment to introduce yourself well thank you uh you you did a pretty good job greg so yeah my name is sam jacobs Uh, as you said i'm the founder i'm not giving myself the title of ceo yet i'm going to give myself a performance review right around december and maybe we'll promote myself to ceo but we'll see (laughs) Um, but i am the founder of revenue collective and um, and as you mentioned uh, Revenue Collective is, is uh, what we call a career enablement platform. It's really trying to re-envision professional networking and put all of us as operators at the center of the community and work to help all of us unlock and achieve our professional potential and our career goals and, and doing everything we can and anything we can think of to help people get to where they want to get to in their life. I love that. I love that. What was the, um, uh, Simon Sinek has a pretty powerful book start with why what was your what was your why behind wanting to start revenue collective well uh like many uh successful companies and we're this successful but but a little successful but i i'm sort of like the ideal customer profile of the community the the why is that two things have been happening uh at the executive level in high growth companies one of them is that the jobs and it's really not specific you know greg you mentioned we're launching and we today on uh, you know Thursday, November nineteenth, we we announced the launch of Operations Collective, which is for finance, legal, HR, and operations executives. Revenue Collective is for customer-facing revenue executives in sales and marketing. But the point is, two things have been happening at the executive level. One of them is that the jobs themselves have become more difficult and harder because there's new technology, new strategies, new new go-to-market motions. The second thing that's been happening is that all of us are spending less and less time in those jobs. And so the average tenure in role for a revenue executive at a high growth company is under two years. It's 17 months the last time we did the research. And so, and my personal story is exactly that, which is that I was uh, from, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, meaning leading uh, sales and revenue organizations at high growth companies. The first big stint was seven and a half years. The next stint was four and a half years at a company called Axial. The next stint was two years at a company called Livestream. The next stint was nine months as chief revenue officer of a company called The Muse. And then the next stint was 10 months as chief revenue officer of a company called Behavox. And so you can see my personal journey has been shorter and shorter and shorter stints while the job becomes more complicated. And so we started Revenue Collective really to put all of us as operators at the center of the community. And, and I say that in opposition to, or I'm specifically saying, not investors, uh, not CEOs or founders, not service providers like executive search firms. None of those people are the primary focus of what we're trying to do. The primary focus is all of us as human beings and operators and helping us and working to stitch together a career. Because, you know, in the modern world, and we're recording this, you know, hopefully on the tail end, knock on wood, of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. But even more so uh, now, right? The companies themselves are not able to provide career support, right? If we're only going to work there 18 months, the companies cannot provide career support. They can provide a little bit of support in the role, but what they really need is for you to make an immediate impact right now. 
So companies can't do it. There's, you know, there's no pensions anymore. Uh, maybe we'll get social security when we're of retirement age. Maybe we won't. And so there's no safety net for executives. There's no guidance. There's no playbook. How do you put together 20 to 30 years of work that results at the end of it of you have the money that you hope to make, you have the circumstances that you hope to live in, you feel safe, you feel confident, you feel secure. And that is exactly the type of framework that we're trying to provide to our members. We're trying to take all of the mystery and the fear and the anxiety and the guesswork out of their career and as much as possible try and provide support so that if you want to get somewhere we give you the, the the lessons we give you the playbook we give you the answers to the test so that all you have to do is put in the work and by the end of x period of time you'll get to where you want to go well you answered my one of my questions that i was going to pose is kind of what have you what is the biggest need you that you guys have hoped to kind of solve in the market um, that seems to be pretty clear has that changed at all in the last 12 months well, it's, um, it's become more acute, you know, um, obviously like many companies and particularly communities, uh, we were impacted by COVID and we pivoted and like many folks, um, you know, we were doing like maybe one webinar a month. Uh, now we're doing 30 uh, a week. We're doing 30 digital events a week. Wow. We didn't have, uh, kind of a career services notion, you know, we, we created this community called On the Bench over the last nine months uh, for people that have lost their jobs, basically as a support uh, infrastructure and resource. So it has changed. I think what's changed over the last 12 months is that it's become even clearer as we're all working from home and we're all more isolated than ever, that community is now more important than ever and that the world is less certain than it's ever been. And as a consequence of that, the need for platforms and, and communities like Revenue Collective is even more acute. So I think, you know, for better or for worse, um, over the last 12 months, like the, the mission that we serve has become even more important to many people. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about that, that move to remote working, uh, because it's, it's almost, I don't want to say maybe defined, but redefined how leaders, frontline workers, people feel connected and valued um, for someone who is so used to maybe being surrounded by SDRs all day and picking up on the energy of them prospecting and getting wind to now you're maybe in a one, two bedroom apartment sharing it with three other people and you're trying to find yourself in a closet, like so easy for your emotions to like get the best of you and become disconnected. Um, how are you guys providing listeners today through maybe some examples from Revenue Collective of like, what are you guys teaching to, to overcome these, these challenges that, that people are being faced with when they are disconnected, they are in different environments, they're not supported by other people. Like, how are you guys helping those types of people? Well, uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing is going out to our members and saying, what are you doing? And then we're synthesizing that. So for example, we, you know, launched a, Bi-weekly, uh, we call it an economic benchmarking survey. We started in March. It was happening uh, bi-weekly. I th think can mean either every two weeks or twice a week. In our case, it meant twice a week. Um, okay. And uh, and then it, we, we reduced the frequency of it. But basically right away, what we were trying to do is give people insights on what is everybody else doing and how might you, how might you achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Now, to your point, Greg, I think that uh, exactly what you mentioned is is the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is that this pandemic is really unevenly distributed. It's obviously most unevenly distributed between blue collar work and white collar work where blue collar workers are 
are often still on the job, still more exposed to the virus, and still in high-risk situations, even though they're being paid less. Uh, White-collar work is much, much better off because we're, we're able to work from home. We have our laptops. But then exactly as you said, there's still this tension between young people who actually are the most in, uh, have the most interest in getting back to the office because, like you said, they're in smaller living spaces. They're sharing with many other roommates, whereas somebody like me, uh, you know, an older person, uh, I don't need to say how old, but an older person, I have, an, I have a, enough living space. I work, you know, I live by myself with my dogs and my family, and it's a lot, lot easier. So what is first, I guess the first thing I would say is what are we doing to help those people? We're trying to redistribute best practices. Now, what are those best practices? Well, that's... Um, there's no, per- there's no silver bullet. There's no perfect answer. I think, you know, the things that you're going to hear over and over again, the first is that you have to respect, you, you can't expect perfect productivity and perfect engagement all day, every day, and that you need to be a little bit more flexible when it comes to people's life. You need to let them incorporate their life. Work-life integration is the phrase that's often used a little bit more uh, than before, uh, which means that if they have to go to the dentist in the middle of the day, they have to go to the dentist in the middle of the day. And that, so that kind of, that, that's, I think that's obvious to most people, but just to, just to reinforce, again, what I think all of us know, the commuting time hasn't been replaced by nothing. The commuting time and the time socializing after work has largely been replaced by more work. Yeah. So, uh, so we have to be mindful of, you know, that phrase work-life balance, which is really, again, work-life integration because we're all at work all the time. I think this has shown that anyway, right? We all have our phones on us all the time. Um, so that's thing number one. Thing number two, I would say is you have to be very intentional about the frequency and type and duration of the meetings that you host, right? Because there's one type of interaction. It's a, it's a you know, whether you're using Google Meet, God forbid, or you're using Zoom, uh, but... Um, you know, that's what we have to interact with the other people. Yes, we have Slack, but Slack is uh, just as intrusive as it is supportive and helpful. And so, you know, at first, everybody, including Revenue Collective, including like the team that I manage, we were having twice a day, twice a day meetings. We were having a morning daily huddle. What's everybody doing today? And then an afternoon or evening wrap up. What'd you do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? And then we had our internal meetings as well. And then, of course, you have customer meetings. And, all. and so pretty soon, you've got like your day booked with video calls. Yeah. Um, I think you have to be very intentional about that. We've reduced it. I think most people have reduced the frequency of video calls. You can't be on having, you know, 12 internal meetings a day. You can't have five internal meetings a day, 15 a week, and not expect there to be fatigue. Every meeting that you have, especially internally, has to be very specific and intentional. What are you trying to get out of that meeting? What do you, what do you want to happen? Now, I'm a believer in meetings. And the last thing I'll say is, is that now more than ever, you've got to incorporate, you know, you can call it authenticity, you can call it humanity, you can call it fun, but you have to, um, you know, energy, the way that people feel when they click end meeting in the bottom right corner of their Zoom window, that's, that's your culture now. That's what it is. That's your culture. And so how they feel when they log off that Zoom is, is, the, is all you have as it relates to uh, really the, the, the manifestation of the energy of your culture. And that's why it's really, really important that, if, that as you're hosting meetings, you know, people talk about uh, they, we all remember how you make us feel. We don't remember what you say or do, right? Mm-hmm. What we remember from an interaction is how we felt leaving the interaction. And so what I'm trying to reinforce and hammer home to people is it's really, really important that there's, there's inspiration, there's, 
there's Simon Sinek somewhere in there, you know, there's, there's motivation and that people leave the meeting feeling energized because you don't have, you know, if you, if you have a crappy, uh, you know, weekly kickoff meeting uh, in the office, you might still, or you were in a bad mood as the leader, that might be okay because uh, you walk out of that meeting and then you grab somebody whose energy you noticed was a little low and you say, hey, you want to go grab a coffee and let's talk about how things are going. You don't have that opportunity anymore. And so you have to make sure that like there's, there's the right level of motivation and, and, and enthusiasm uh, throughout all of your interactions with your team. I love that. I've never really thought about that. And I was just thinking back to you over the past week, how many times have I hit that end call meeting and I've like thrown my headset down and been like, Oh, I'm so glad that calls over versus like right in, right into the next meeting. Like, Oh, I'm so pumped. I feel good about the outcome of that meeting. Um, and it could be prospect facing. It could be internal. It could be anything, but that that's, I got goosebumps just thinking about it, Sam, because I think that's something very important that we all need to think about is how, how are people feeling as a result of um, an outcome of a, an interaction? You know, we don't have that human face-to-face anymore. Um, now we have the digital face-to-face, I guess. But hitting that end, like there should be a, I feel like there should be a software company that measures that or something. I don't know. It's coming. I'm sure it's coming. It's a, how do you feel about that smiley face, frowny face? You know, like when you leave the restroom in an airport or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the happy or not button. Happy yeah. or not, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. I appreciate that. So on the flip side of that, um, employees, like let's say we have an SDR and they used to be able to walk up, talk to their manager, you know, hey, I have this idea, I want to bounce off of you. They got that face-to-face time, right? Um, now everybody's on calls, Slack, phone, email. Um, do you Are you seen amongst the your community where you, you have some frustrations with um, maybe people that are being passed up on promotions because they're not getting that face-to-face time anymore. What are you guys hearing in terms of kind of different ideas to make sure that people are staying in front of their managers and they're doing what they can to get promoted? Um, Cause it's a, it's a little bit different trying to, to showcase your capabilities in today's world. Yeah. I think um, in the absence of, as we're, as we're talking about in the absence of face-to-face in the absence of soft skills and body language, what do you have? So it, what's happened is that I think there's more emphasis and focus put on presentation and writing than, uh, than before, even though presentation skills, community, you know, storytelling broadly defined and really the ability to effectively communicate in writing are now more important than ever. Uh I think, uh, you know, I was talking to a member, I'm, kind of coaching it. One of the things we do is one-on-one coaching for our members where, you know, if they have a situation in their life that they want to talk about, they have every opportunity to use me or to use any of our career coaches that are on staff here at Revenue Collective. But one of them is really thinking, how do I ask for exactly this question? How do I ask for a raise? What should I do? And we have data. So I said, well, first, you know, you need to reference the data. You need to make sure that it's an objective, that you're not grounding it in emotion, in the request and emotion, but you're grounding it in a subject, objective fact. And then you need to figure out how to present that information in a compelling way. Maybe it's putting together a spreadsheet. Maybe it's accessing a graphic designer. You know, one of the, the cheat sheets, one of the, like, the pro tips that I always tell income, like first-time executives is have your own graphic 
designer, as a contractor, uh, you know, in your, in your arsenal of personal resources so that when you want to put a presentation together, it looks better than other people's presentations or it just looks, it looks really good. You're always putting your best foot forward. So I think that presentation skills are now more important. And then, you know, what I always tell, this is not specific to COVID or working from home, but it's always about you know, how do I get promoted? Well, you put the question to your manager and you don't say promote me. You say, what it, first let's talk about. So you do need time with your, you know, you do need scheduled time over zoom or a phone call. Zoom's probably better. Uh, and, and then you need to be intentional about the use of that time. And then you need to say, Hey, you know, here's where I'm trying to go. What do you think I need to do to get there? And it's not about a direct request in the moment. I think some of the mistakes that people make when they're trying to put together their career or think about or, or, or position career advancement is kind of not doing anything. I mean, this is true of all things in life, right? Not doing anything in preparation, not leading and doing anything in advance of the moment. And then hoping that the moment itself is the thing that determines your fate where the moment of, can I get promoted? Yes or no. What you want to do is you start planting those seeds well in advance, six months, 12 months. And you say, here's where I want to go. So by the way, one of the things you have to do to have that conversation effectively is you have to have asked yourself, where do I want to go so that you can answer that question so that you can present that answer back to, you know, your boss. And you say, here's where I'm trying to go. What do you think I need to do in order to be able to get there? And you put the onus on them to, to define the qualities and the skills that are necessary in order to achieve the career goals that you want. You have, you, you put it on them because Oftentimes, the bosses themselves don't have objective criteria on what it takes to promote somebody. And so this is you saying, no, I'm, I need you. One of your jobs as a boss is to be able to define what success looks like. Now, of course, if they say, I don't really know, then, <laughs> then, then there's another step. You're still That's not all. without power. Then it's yeah. your job to propose it and say, okay, well, if you don't know, here's what I would propose are the criteria for you know, a senior SDR manager or you know, I'm an account executive. Here's what, here's what I understand a senior account executive to be and to do and to, to exemplify. And I want to touch base with you on a regular basis so that you can tell me as I'm working towards those goals, whether I'm achieving these characteristics, these qualities, and these milestones that we've that, you know, you didn't have them, so I proposed them and you agreed to them. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, I'm thinking about a book, uh, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference, right? Yeah. Um, engage with them. You know, how do you envision I, I do this? What do you propose? Um, get them involved in that because then they feel like they have an emotional stake in that journey with you um, and they're tied to an outcome. And yeah. so I think as an early SDR in my career, one of the first things I always did is I had a spreadsheet. Here's my day-to-day -day performance. Here's my weekly performance. I tracked all those things so that when I was ready to start talking about a promotion, I would go and I would say, hey, what's it going to take for me to be promoted to that AE? Cool. Here's what I've done. If I keep on this track, we're in agreement that my next step at these goals would be an AE. And so I think too many um, early in their sales careers, you know, SDRs, AEs don't track their, their performance and they really should because it allows them to take that and build a professional presentation of what they've done. So I love that. And then really plant the seeds for the promotion, like start six, 12 months early. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think just, yeah, just to underscore that point, Greg, like documentation, you know, just documentation is just so important. Here's what I've done you know, and also here's what I'm going to do. And then yeah. let's check back in. I remember when I said I was going to do those things, I did those things. You see how that works. So, I mean, so much of success in, in professional life is simply 
doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. So true. So true. Well, speaking of that, um, Revenue Collective, it's not open to everybody. There's an application process. It's not just something that you can click join on and you're part of the group. Um, so I'd love to understand the kind of first and foremost, like why, why did you kind of make it that exclusive thing? Because I like it. But what was your, your intention behind doing that, Sam? Well, I, I, uh, I, I quibble a little bit with the word exclusive. And, and okay. Exclusivity is actually not the point of what we're trying to do. Uh, it's actually, in some ways, the opposite. It's inclusivity. The reason, the reason that we have those membership guidelines, well, first of all, um, the main reason that you can't click just join is because the central concept that we, and this is something I've discovered you know, recently in my own mind, but here, here's what we're really trying to do with Revenue Collective. What we're really trying to do is we're trying to actually teach people a way to behave. That's actually, that's the fundamental thing about Revenue Collective. What it is is saying, hey, you can join this thing and, and you have to pay. So yes, we do want your money, but we don't only want your money. What we want is your agreement that you are going to behave in a certain way. So what does that mean? That means that you're going to be helpful and responsive, right? This isn't, this isn't LinkedIn, right? It's not, everybody's not a member. Everybody can't join. And as a consequence, when, if you do join, we need to know that you're willing to help other people and you're willing to be responsive. And in a world where responsiveness has gone down precipitously, that's really, really important. The second part of it is also, by the way, because we are all agreeing to be responsive to each other, you can't, you can't spam people. You can't pitch people. You can't directly solicit people when they didn't ask to be. If there's a conversation happening in public about sales engagement software and they express disappointment with a specific vendor and you work for that vendor, you are not allowed to directly approach that person and say, hey, I saw that you were, you know, had some problems with insert the blank vendor. Uh, you know, I'd love to talk to you about it. They, didn't, they might not have asked for, your, your, for your, that intrusion. So part of it is just getting everybody to agree that we're all going to behave in a certain way because we believe that if we all behave in a certain way, the world will be a better place. The second part of it is that you know, all of these communities, again, we're so used to like the internet, the way that the internet works generally, right? This is what we've been indoctrinated. We like take it for granted. The internet's mostly free because it's mostly free. We understand that there's a business somewhere and that we are feeding that business by doing stuff. And there are other people who are being served by us doing stuff. We are the product. Our behavior is the product. Our data is the product. And so we wanted to make it very clear that, um, the members of our community are not the product. The product is their experience with, with the service. And so, um, you know, in every other community, there's often subsidies that are, it's either investors, right? Like first round capital has their own platform or Vista equity partners has like a CMO summit, right? So investors are often the people that are being served. Uh, CEOs are often the people being served or companies themselves or some other service provider like a, an executive search firm or start a community, but it's really because they're just trying to, they're trying to get as many resumes into their community as possible so that they can power their search, their search business. Yeah. So we don't let those three people join because we want to put the emphasis and maintain the emphasis on the operator, right? We think that, listen, we all know who Bill Gurley is or Fred Wilson or, uh, you know, Mark Cuban, like we all know who the famous investors are. We all know who the famous CEOs are. They don't, they don't need any more covers of magazines. They're on plenty of magazines. And so this is a place not for them. They have plenty of places to go. This is a place for the people that work for those people that are, that are building the companies on a day-to-day 
day basis that are getting fired, that are, that are dealing with the stress, that don't have any kind of preferences on their equity. Those, these, this is for the people that are doing the work on a day-to-day basis. We want a place where they feel special, where they feel like they are, you know, the kings and queens of, of, the, of, of the world. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, exclusivity was definitely the wrong word. Um, and I love that you guys. Well, it's a natural word to use, but you know, I know that we're coming short on time. I'll just want to say this last part, which is that really what we think about is inclusivity, because if you do meet the requirements and they're just requirements, right? Like you're not this type of person, you are this type of person. And by type of person, it's really your function. But if you meet the functional requirements, like you're a VP of sales or you're an up and coming sales leader, if you meet those requirements, then actually what we're doing is deconstructing uh, what you might consider to be opaque power structures, right? What we're saying is if, you meet, if you're a salesperson, we don't care what you look like. We don't care where you're from. We don't care how old you are. And I don't mean on the young side. I mean old people, you know, ageism, like uh, people that are um, a more advanced age like, like, like me uh, that are discriminated against in the workforce. And so you can be from Mumbai. You can be from Omaha, Nebraska. You don't have to be from New York or San Francisco. You don't have, have to have gone to, you know, Bucknell or some, you know. Stanford uh, or. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be a white male. Uh, you can be anybody. You can be in the remote, you know, you can be in Saskatoon, Canada. But if you want to make something of your life and you're in the industry, the functional industries that we serve, if you're in marketing or sales, you can be anybody you want to be, and we're going to give you the answers to the test. We're going to tell you how to do it. We're, and all you have to want to do is just be better. And if you want to be better and you want to advance your personal life, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, how much money you come from. We're going to equalize all of that so that all that matters is how hard you work. I love it. You're surrounding yourself by, with like-minded people. I absolutely exactly. love it. I love it. Well, I want to wrap with a couple of key points, Sam. Um, so my takeaways from this, really community is more important than ever right now. Um, learning from others. There's so many people out there that have figured out how to work from home, how to maintain some motivation, like share that with as many people as you can and share it with within a community of like-minded people like yourself where your message is going to resonate. Um, Work-life integration, I always go back to work-life balance, but it really is work-life integration, right? Um, I have a three-month-old son knowing I can take care of him for a couple hours in the middle of the day if I have to, and my boss is okay with that, you know, working or building organizations where people feel comfortable doing that, because you're right, that commute has been replaced with just more work. It's not like I got those two hours back in my day. Um, and then really planting the seeds for promotion and then all the things that came with that, the documentation, asking your boss to be emotionally um, invested in the process, um, really making sure that um, there's clear guidelines so you know what you have to do to, do to get that promotion and then go and actually execute on it. Um, so those are my biggest three takeaways. Um, so thank you for those. I think those are great, Sam. For anybody who wants to get in touch with you or Revenue Collective, learn more, what's the best way to go about doing that? If you want to get in touch with me, that's easy. Sam at revenuecollective.com or you can go to LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash the word in forward slash Sam F. Jacobs. And then if you're a sales marketing or customer success professional, uh, you'll be eligible either for our associate executive community at Revenue Collective, that's revenuecollective.com. And if you are a finance, legal, HR, or ops professional, uh, uh, go to operationscollective.com. Either way, click apply now and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Cool. Awesome, Sam. Well, I appreciate your time today. Good luck on the launch of Operations Collective. I'm excited to see how that turns out. And thank you again for your time.
Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye.